friend. Welcome to the Collide podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide, and I'm so glad you hopped on. I know that you just survived the holidays, and I hope that your Christmas had moments of joy and sweet memories with your people. I also know Christmas can be hard, and it can bring up hard things. So I'm hoping today to hand you some hope, some encouraging news, and talk about uh, as the new year approaches here this next week, uh, I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. And I thought about it, and I kind of have a hate-love relationship with them. And so I really wanted to have someone hop on the show to talk about healthy mindsets rather than harmful mindsets surrounding this idea of goals and dreams and intentions for our lives. So I'm about to hand you this interview I just did with Jillian DeBritt. She's a personal development coach, and she's a self proclaimed recovering perfectionist. And she is so amazing. She is honest and she's authentic and she's vulnerable. And I love the work she does in women's lives, but I also love just how real she is in communicating, encouraging things when it comes to this idea of New Year's resolutions. So I hope this will meet you where you're at this week and I hope you enjoy it. Jillian, you coach women for their personal development, helping them achieve their goals and dreams and processing those types of things. And so I, when I thought about, oh, what kind of podcast would I want for the week leading up to the new year, you came to mind. And, and so I want to talk to you as the new year approaches and people begin preparing themselves for new year's resolutions. I want to have a conversation with you about healthy new year's resolutions and healthy mindsets around setting goals and, and intentions. So thank you for hopping on to hang out and have this convo with me. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm curious if you found for your own personal life, setting New Year's resolutions as helpful or harmful? Oh, it's such a good question. Um, I, I think the older I get, the more I almost have an allergic reaction to any <laughs> sort of um, smart goal, which is not helpful as a life coach. Like you're supposed to, <laughs> as a coach, be someone helping people, you know, set specific goals and work toward them. But there's something in me that um, resists a little bit feeling like I have to do something. Like as mm -hmm. soon as I set a New Year's resolution that all of a sudden it becomes almost like a, a prison cell that I have to stay in by performing and achieving. And mm -hmm. um, it, I think, feels and smells like the perfectionism, unhealthy aspects of perfectionism that um, I've operated from for a good chunk of my life. And so for me, you know, I took a few years off, um, New Year's resolutions. And and honestly, I, th I think even calling goals for myself a New Year's resolution feels like it has a detrimental effect for me because um, it's almost like we're setting ourselves up for this self-fulfilling prophecy of, oh, okay, we're going to keep our resolutions for a couple of days and then we're going to all fall off the wagon. And um, so for me, I, I really don't like to set New Year's resolutions. I do like to be intentional and mindful about regular reflection and um, vision casting for myself. And so um, 
even in the past year, I've tried to do that quarterly-ish, so every few months. And so New Year's happens to fall um, during one of the windows where I generally love to look ahead, to look back and then also look ahead. Um, but I have to be really careful, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. I have to be really careful about the mindset and the heart um, attitude that I come in with, where I'm not putting pressure on myself to perform or to achieve someone else's expectations for me, but I'm really authentically connecting with one, what matters to me, what is, what are my values, what motivates me, what's something I care deeply about, and two, connected to that, where is God inviting me to take a step toward Him um, in this year? And I think if I can keep those things in mind, that value, uh, personal value, um, and sense of what matters to me, and even more so the invitations from the Lord, that feels a little bit more protective um, in terms of setting intentions or resolutions or whatever you want to call it. You know, you've talked and used the word pressure, perfectionism, obligation, performance. And I think a lot of people, especially around New Year's resolutions, almost feel obligated. It's sort of, it's about a standard of a question beyond how are you as like, what are your New Year's resolutions? Or, but we read all of this stuff, we're kind of bombarded. And it seems like you almost have to just pick something that you think you ought to do in your life. And so there is a pressure or an obligation. And I just wonder how effective uh, we are at accomplishing goals that feel like obligation? Mm. Man, you know, women especially are so good at creating these really high expectations for ourselves, the sense of I should be doing this or this or this. Um, we talk with the women I coach about um, how much we should all over ourselves. You know, we should this, we should that. And and shoulding and shaming are never effective long-term motivators. Um, so this sense of obligation really isn't helpful. Um, you know, I think it, it really does come back to like, who who am I uniquely created to be? Um, who has God designed me with my unique story, my unique gift set, my unique passions, um, my unique wounds that have given me a unique set of compassions? Like, what are the unique components of my life that God wants to use in a unique way? Um, big picture. And then how does that look for me specifically this year? Like there is no ought to, there is no should in the kingdom of heaven. Like there's just invitation for us to step into more and more of the unique personalized God-given purpose that he's created each of us for. Um, so yeah, obligation just, it, it just speaks to me of like the, this external standard of what others expect of us or what we think others, it's just very others and appearance and externally um, focused as opposed to living from a heart-centered place of connection and intimacy with the God who made us. Um, yeah. Can you give and, some examples of sort of what 
The difference would be if I was to set goals that are externally focused versus Mm -hmm. setting some intentions or hopes that are internally focused. Like, can you give Mm -hmm. us some examples of the one versus the other? Oh, man. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think I think it's not even about the goal as much as like our approach to the goal. So um, for example, off the top of my head, I want to read my Bible more. And that's like a great external behavior, right? But what's the heart and the intention behind it? Is it that I want to be seen as more biblically literate? Is it that I want to check off a box of things that Christians do or or people who are spiritual do? Or is it that I actually um, am longing for a deeper intimacy with Jesus? And, and as I'm studying that goal, like what about that goal is actually going to cultivate that intimacy? Um, it's not just the reading of the Bible, but it's a posture of our heart, right? As we enter into that goal. And, and it's an, a dialogue and an engagement with the Lord as I'm approaching that goal um, as an opportunity, not just to check a box and not just to do a thing, not just to behave a certain way, but as an opportunity to bring my whole heart, mind, body, and soul into an encounter with the Lord. And you know, maybe that's not the best example because we're talking about a spiritual thing, but we can bring that sense of encounter and, um, and interaction with Jesus into any goal that we're working toward. So maybe it is... Um, money, like our budgeting. We spend like crazy around Christmas time. And a lot of people are very aware of our need to be a little bit more intentional around our finances in in the new year. And so maybe our goal is to create a budget for ourselves that we stick to. And it really, and and we can talk about this as we talk about motivation and how do we stick to our goals. But but if if the goal is just to create a budget, like we have no um, personal connection to that, that when that goal actually becomes challenging to meet, um, we're going to struggle unless there's a, a heart connection to why this matters. So I want to I be better about managing my budget because I want to honor the resources that I've been given and I want to steward those well. Um, or even as simple as I want to use the resources I've been given to be able to take my family on a vacation. And that matters to me. So it's it's really about connecting with the why behind the what. So if we can identify why something matters and in that even bring the Lord into that process, then our heart is going to be engaged in the process and we're going to encounter him no matter what the outcome is that we're going for. I love that, connecting the why behind the what. And I go back to something you said earlier, too, this whole idea of should and we shouldn't should on ourselves. We say that a lot, Rob and I, to each other, don't should on me. Um, <laughs> and I think there's an element of really asking ourselves, what do I want? What do yeah. I desire? I remember when Bob Guff was up uh, at a conference speaking, a clay conference last year, and he looked at me and he said, Willow, what do you want? You have to be able to answer the question, what do you want in your life? And when you can answer that, then you're going to be a heck of a lot more motivated to push past those obstacles that you're talking about, because whatever big goal or intention any of us have, we're going to face hard days. We're going to face, 
you know, lack of resources. We're going to face lack of will. We're going to face temptation, whatever, whatever it is. And I think going back to that, why the, what do you want? Why do you want this? Like so many people just pick out a thin air, like it's new year's resolution time. I should lose 20 pounds, you know, or whatever they pick. And so, um, they're just picking a goal, but it doesn't have the, what do you want? What's deeper? Yes. What's the deeper thing than you want to lose 20 pounds? What Absolutely. is Absolutely. Which that is hard work for women to answer that question. Like if we're really honest, how many of us can say, okay, these are my deepest longings of my heart and can list out the, the longings, like the below the surface of what we should want, like we just talked about, but how many of us actually take the time because it does take time to be still and to connect with our own longings. How many of us take that time regularly or are given permission or invited to really answer that question? What do you want? Mm-hmm. And um, one of my favorite analogies, I think it was L- Ruth Haley Barton in um, maybe Invitation to Solitude and Silence. Um, we're just talking about the soul. And I think we can connect this idea of, of our longings to the same illustration of if you take a jar of river water and it's in a jar and it's shaken up, it's going to take some time for that jar to be still, for that sediment to settle to the bottom, for you to be able to see that water clearly. And, and it takes time for our souls and our minds and our hearts and our bodies to really settle for us to see clearly what's inside of them. And so it almost seems indulgent sometimes to really ask ourselves what do we want because there's so many other things for us to do and think about and demands on our time. Um, and so I just love that permission you're giving um, our listeners here to ask that question. What do you want? Well, and I think we have a hard time giving ourselves permission because we feel like it's our job to take care of everyone else and we don't have time for what we want. And you mentioned women are really good at having really high expectations of ourselves. And I want to return back to that and ask you why you think that is. Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I... I think that we've been told a lot of things culturally about what a woman should be. And, you know, even within Christian culture, like there's just a lot of unspoken expectations about what it means to be a good woman. And Mm -hmm. the list is really long. And there is this sort of cultural expectation that we have to hit everything on the list if we're going to be successful or admired or worthy of love and belonging, respect, whatever it is that we value. Um, Yeah, there's just a lot. We carry a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. And, you know, we've talked before about kind of my journey with perfectionism. And I think um, a lot of women can identify with perfectionism as sort of a mentality around, I want to be the best mom I can be. I want to be the best wife I can be. I want to be the best friend I could be. I want to be the best daughter I can be. I want to be the best whatever career I'm in I can be. And the truth is we can't be the best at everything. We can't. We only have so much energy and so much time to offer to all of the different places of our lives. And so I think we have to give ourselves, give one another permission 
we need to offer it to one another that you don't have to be all things to all people or even to yourself. Like you don't have to do everything well. You, you can't. So what are we going to choose to really invest our time and energy in? And what are we going to choose to release? Because it's not worth stretching ourselves that thin um, mentally, emotionally, time-wise. So yeah, there's there's a place where I think women, because we've been told for so long we should be able to do everything, have to remind each other again and again and again, you don't have to, and it's not a reflection of your value. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting idea that we have to be willing to release some things. And it's kind of funny because as you said that I'm thinking... I don't know the last time I heard someone say, you know what, my New Year's resolution this year is to release this, to no longer do this. I mean, of course, like your people say no longer drink or whatever, but to release a mindset or release a pressure, release a a responsibility. um, That's that's an interesting an interesting idea. I do want to talk because you bring up the jar and you bring up the river water and kind of gaining clarity as the sediment settles to the bottom. If people are listening, which, which, I mean, I know people are listening, but I wonder if there are people listening who truly have an area in their life that they want to see a change. What's your best advice? for them to not just talk. I feel like a lot of times we're frustrated with ourselves because we talk about Mm. making a change or doing a thing, but we don't do it. So what's your best advice Mm. for people listening or like, I truly desire to see this happen in my life. What do I do with that? Yeah. I think the number one thing that I would say is don't do it alone. Don't try to make a change on your own. Um, And that's both like a spiritual invitation, like obviously invite Jesus into it with you. Um, He's for you and he's for your transformation. Yes, like that's a given. And we also need people in our lives to cheer us on and to remind us of who we are and remind us of why this thing, whatever it is, matters to us. And even people to do it with us, not people like on a podium looking down at us saying, you should try harder. We don't need that. We need people who are going to link arms with us in the trenches and say, hey, I'll do it with you. Um, Mm -hmm. So so that's kind of like big picture. And then I would say practically too, um, I think this was, I haven't read this book, (laughs) but John Acuff wrote a book called Finish. And I think this idea came from him where he said, whatever goal you are studying for yourself, cut in half. Like do start with the very smallest thing that you can do to be successful and make progress. And and uh, who is it? James Clear and Atomic, Atomic Habits, like lots of good resources if people are readers, also talks about like these tiny incremental changes that we can make. So we're not going to go from sitting on the couch to running a marathon next month, right? Um, or even in three months, like Let's start with getting up and stretching for 10 minutes, three times a week, which for a lot of us women who are high achieving and highly motivated and capable of so much, it feels too easy to start small. And yet there's neuroscience behind. If we can get some quick wins and feel successful at 
a small act in the right direction, then we're going to get that natural dopamine hit that is going to reward us both for taking action and build our confidence to keep moving forward. So, mm-hmm. so that's the, the biggest thing I would say. Don't do it alone and also set smaller goals than you think you need. And even from those goals, like break it down into itty bitty, tiny baby steps that you're reevaluating often because it's going to take longer than you want it to. And that's okay. That's okay. Cause real change takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, I'm laughing because I'm turning 50 this January and my goal was to have my book finished. So I should, you're making me feel good because I just need to have half of it finished and I'm already done with that. (laughs) No, but but then you have to keep adding on. Once you accomplish that half, then what do you do? What do you do, Jillian? You add on, so you have another half, so you do a quarter. My goal is another quarter. Well, so here's the thing. So maybe the goal is to write a book. And so funny you say that because I had that same goal a couple years ago to get my manuscript written within a year. And a year in, I'm like, I don't even, I don't even have a book proposal. Like I don't even have an outline. Like I just, there is the reality that we have to reevaluate our goals often, right? Like we start Mm -hmm. and then we have to give ourselves permission to change our mind and to, to collect new information as we go and to shift our focus and to be flexible about what the outcome looks like. But you're right. Okay. So you wrote half of your book, which Way to go, woman. That well, is such I've a written big deal. more, but I'm I'm laughing because you're making me feel good that I've accomplished half of my goal. Right. And how satisfied <laughs> are you? Like how proud are you of the work not that you've satisfied. done already? No. <laughs> not satisfied, lady. Because because you set for yourself, you set for yourself this high goal of finishing yes. your book. And so because that was your goal you don't feel like you are successful because it was so high. But if your original goal had been, by the time I turned 50, write half of my book, and you were at 75% at this point, you would have felt felt really successful. Yeah. Right. So is the goal to set really like, you know, just sort of like loserish low standard goals so you can feel good about no, what you that's funny <laughs> and so that's the narrative right that's the narrative yes, we tell ourselves it's the narrative in all like, seriousness oh, my goal is to shower today and like yeah get to work yeah and if that's not something you're doing already that might be a realistic goal for mm-hmm. you that's underachieving right like that's oh, yeah, not gonna I've stretch you i've had that right. in season of my life yep Right. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think that that's where, again, having people to support us and kind of help us think through what a realistic goal is for ourselves, whether that's a coach or a friend or someone that can help Mm. you process that. Um, But we also have to be really honest with ourselves about what is a healthy stretch versus unhealthy expectations and pressure, right? Like, and we're not going to get it right the first time. We're not always going to know exactly what that amount is that we need to stretch ourselves until we start. And so there's a value in setting a goal and then having, you know, regular check-ins with yourself and saying, hey, what needs to get revised or edited or changed or reprioritized here? Like maybe we set out to write the book and we realize, ah, this book needs to go a completely different direction than I thought. I need to revise and reframe my goal so that I am successful in writing the book that's supposed to be written, not just checking off the goal, you know, not just checking the box. Um, True. 
but I think you're you're onto something there. No, we don't set loserish goals. We break our goals down <laughs> into itty bitty baby steps that allow us to feel successful more often. We want to have more small goals that get us to the big goal, right? As opposed to one big goal that's so far away that we get tired and lose our motivation and forget what in the world we're even doing because it takes us so much effort and time to get there. We want shorter, quicker hits of dopamine and reward and and sense of celebration. Um, I love so that, that you're bringing be, that yeah. up. That that feel successful more often thing. You can feel so discouraged. I don't remember what the stats are, but I think it's something by some date in February. You know, some large percentage of people have already failed at their New Year's resolutions. So, setting these sort of smaller goals and you achieve them creates this momentum that encourages motivation. If you love this podcast and the work Collide is doing to impact lives, would you consider partnering with us? We rely entirely on the generous support of donors to fuel the life-changing work we do to create spaces for women to collide with Jesus in the midst of their brokenness. And you can be part of that work. Your generous donations help us send women to counseling who couldn't otherwise afford it, help us to create content to bring hope to the hurting, and to create spaces for women to connect in community. Will you join our efforts to bring hope and healing to hurting women by giving a financial gift? Simply text GIVE to 1-888-364-4483 for more information about giving. Thank you. This momentum that encourages motivation. Um, What is that about us that needs that to keep going? Hmm. You know, part of it's just our God-given design, right? Like God gave us dopamine in our brains because he knew we needed this reward center to do hard things. It's normal. It's God-given for us to need a reward, to need some sort of positive feedback, whether from our own nervous system or from others or from, you know, a reward that we give ourselves. I talk with clients all the time about, okay, once you've achieved this milestone, this kind of midway milestone or quarter of the way milestone to your bigger goal, how are you going to celebrate? How are you going to reward yourself? And it could be something as, you know, extravagant as I'm going to go buy myself an outfit. I'm going to go on an overnight with my husband. I'm going to, you know, do something where you're spending money and investing, or it could be as simple as stopping to celebrate with someone who cares about you and say, Hey, I did this thing and I'm going to say it out loud. And I'm going to admit to myself and to others that I'm proud of myself. Um, so there is something really important about celebration. And that's one of my favorite questions that I ask my coaching clients every time we meet is what's something that you're proud of lately? Like what's something, and it's the hardest question for women to answer. I don't know. I'm not proud of anything. I'm just, I haven't done all of my goals. I mean, I kind of started on this one. And so really focusing on progress over perfection is mm. so important because our, our goal actually isn't the goal. Truly, like our goal is growth. We want to grow more and more fully into who we're created to be. And if we are constantly looking at perfection at the end of the line as the only measure of success, we're going to spend our whole lifetimes feeling like failures and missing the beauty of the transformation that God is already doing in us. Mm, That's a good word. 
It's a good word, lady. You were talking earlier about how you take regular moments of reflection and vision casting. Can you describe what that looks like for you? I know it can look different for different women, but what does it look like for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm good at this because I am practicing, right? I'm practicing and I'm trying lots of different things that um, work for other people and finding that they don't work for me. And so I'm in the process of kind of trying on different practices. And so one of those things has been um, like on a business side of things, looking quarterly, like so January, April, July, October, looking at my life and my coaching work and my writing work and thinking about like what for the next couple of months, what do I really want to be focusing on? Before I even do that though, the practice that has really helped me is to look back and think, ask myself, how have I grown? What have I learned? What have I accomplished? What am I proud of? And it's a discipline. It's actually a discipline for me to celebrate because I am someone who's so driven to do more and better and to grow and to um, expand my learning that is really hard for me to recognize how far I've come. And so that practice of looking back before I look forward has been really helpful. Um, So I'm trying to take, you know, the goal is like, the dream goal is to do an overnight retreat once a quarter. I mean, that's ideal. Um, And I have done that once or twice. Um, But even just taking a few hours and getting away from my house, even away from my office and sitting with different reflection guides that I've used, I actually created one that I can um, share with people if they want. Um, But just having some guided questions to help me look back and look forward um, and prayerfully really think about what, what God's inviting me into next has been really helpful. And I think it's been, it's taken practice. Like (laughs) the first couple of times I'm like, I'm going to, you know, whatever, write a book in a year. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do all these things. And then as you, I practice, I'm realizing, okay, I have to do way less than I think I can. I can really only work on one or two projects a quarter and feel good about it. Just the way I'm wired and different people have different wiring and capacity, but I have to Mm -hmm. go deep in a couple of areas instead of going wide and uh, going, you know, shallow and a lot. Um, So that's one is that kind of quarterly reflection. Um, I'm working on a more regular reflection. So I have like a, a morning kind of daily journaling habit that helps me just get in that reflective rhythm on a regular basis, which I am a huge fan of journaling and and really lowering the bar for that. We're talking like five to 10 minutes every day, just stream of consciousness. You don't have to make it pretty is helpful for that mm-hmm. sense of self-awareness and checking in with ourselves. Um, I also like practically and, and playing around with this, but have a kind of a Monday meeting with myself where I'm, I'm looking at my calendar and and planning ahead at the week and kind of breaking down the projects into smaller bite-sized chunks. What I'd like to do is look back and just do a quick celebration of what have I accomplished or what am I proud of or how have I grown in the last week? Um, So again, I'm trying, I'm experimenting. I'd love to do like a monthly check-in with myself and, and kind of look at my goals and how am I doing, but I can only handle so much structure in my life. Willow, like, I keep thinking I want to have all of these <laughs> set appointments with myself and then I just start to like feel claustrophobic in my own schedule. So it's trial and error. Oh, you're hilarious. Well, you keep talking about this idea of inviting Jesus in. And I think that can sound 
cute and stuff, but I think there are people <laughs> who don't necessarily know what that means in the sense that um, a lot of us can set goals and we don't invite God into that process at all until we've set them. And then we say, hey, will you bless it? Hey, God, will you bless this thing I want to do? And so I'm curious because I know that's not what you mean when you say invite Jesus. And in. I know you're not saying, hey, um, go to Jesus. And instead of following his lead on your goals, drag him and say, hey, come with me and accomplish this for me, God. Um, so tell us, you know, for people who are like, oh, that sounds good to invite Jesus in. But what does that look like to invite him into the process of um, really reflecting and gaining vision for my next year and and my goals and intentions? Mm, that's a great question. Yeah, you're right. And I have been guilty of making the plans and then asking the Lord to make a way for those plans to succeed. And that's just not how I want to live. Um, because life with him is just, it's so much sweeter and, and walking with him, walking out his goals and his dreams and his visions for us is such a sweet, sweet place um, to be. And so I think what I'm talking about is really even starting before we start setting goals for ourselves, just starting from a place, from a posture of surrender and openness and prayer, prayerfully asking the Lord, you know, in quiet, letting that river water settle, but in quiet saying, Lord, what do you want for me this year? What are your dreams? What do you want me to know about what you're inviting me into? And really just sitting with any of those questions and inviting the Holy Spirit to dream with us and in us and through us. Um, and I know that even that can sound like a really kind of vague, ambiguous process. Um, and that there's not a formula, right? There's not a formula for walking with Jesus. But, but practically, I, I do. I sit with my journal open. And, you know, do some breath prayer to kind of settle my body and remind my heart and mind that the Lord is present with me. And I will literally ask God that question, God, what do you want me to know right now? And I'll just sit until thoughts come to my mind that are kind and gentle and in alignment with his character and with his word. And I am trusting more and more, the more I practice that, that the thoughts that he brings to mind that may sound like mine, but are actually usually kinder to me than I am to myself, that often feel or sound too good to be true, that those thoughts, if they're in alignment with his word and his character, are actually his spirit dreaming in me. And sitting with a journal open and inviting the Lord to either write me a letter or write a vision for me and just trusting his spirit to work is one of my favorite things to do now. Um, and he's faithful, I think right? It's like so he, yeah. Yeah. It's so important to come into that, that space with a right view of who God is, because I think a lot of us, 
assume that if we say, God, what do you want for me this year? We have this idea that God is wanting to wreck the party. Um, he's wanting to give us a lot of work. He wants us to learn lessons because somehow we deserve bad and we should learn some lessons. We have these like twisted theological ideas of God. And I think we have a God. In fact, I think we talk about this in our go ahead Bible study. The end of it does have like a dream journal at the end, because the whole idea is that we have a God who has bigger dreams for ourselves than, than we have bigger dreams for us than we have for ourselves. And when we come in and we posture that, and it's this sort of time, and I do it every year uh, around the first of the year, where I'm asking, Lord, what do you want to do through my life this next year? And that's an exciting time where I get to just write down thoughts and feelings and questions and prayers. And I trust and come by faith, believing that God has a bigger dream for me than I have for myself. He has a bigger vision than my doubt and my insecurities and my fear will allow me to dream. But if I invite Him into it, they become, uh, they unfold into something so much greater. I mean, I think Collide is almost uh, an example of that. I never dream to start something. I didn't try to start something, but God had a a bigger idea and vision for my life than I had for myself. So I think coming into that space and not going, oh, well, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. Or God wants to punish me or whatever it is. You can't dream with those stifled beliefs. You have to come into that space believing, no friend, God has something beautiful in store for you this year. So invite him in and dream together. And that's when magical things start happening, right? Right. And I'm guessing, Willow, that you've had some practice learning to hear God's heart for you and, and learning to trust that his dreams for you are good. Like what you were just saying about the things that we come to God believing about him and his will for our life. I think you really hit on something important there because if we don't know that his uh, His plans for us are good, that his heart toward us is good, that he is gentle and humble in heart, he's not going to put anything heavy or ill-fitting on us. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. If we can't trust that, then we don't want to hear his dreams for us because we, mm-hmm. like you said, we think it's going to kill us. When mm-hmm. the God that made us, his desire for us is to have life to the full, like the most abundant, beautiful, wholehearted, full of freedom life imaginable. And so I want everything to do with that life and that God. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm picturing people sitting down and going, okay, I'm going to sit here with a blank piece of paper and I'm going to ask the God of the universe what he wants for my life this year. That can sound frightening, scary, vulnerable, hard. And I think there can be hard things. I've had God invite me into some years where there were some hard challenges. But if we know and we trust His character, that even those things are for our benefit and other people's benefit then we can be brave and say yes to them. And so really coming into that time, um, not down on God and down on yourself just feels so key to beginning to dream 
up what your year could look like. Yeah. And I love even that permission to ask the Lord, Lord, I want to trust your plans for me, but I can't right now. I'm struggling with this. Will you help me? Will you help me to trust and believe that your heart toward me is good? Like even just starting there with that most honest admission of where we are, I think that's the most beautiful invitation to experience more of what God has for us. Not like even shooting ourselves to where we think we should be with God, like pretending that we feel more spiritual and trusting than we actually are because he doesn't care about what we think we should feel toward him or believe him for. He cares about where we actually are. And that's where he wants to meet us is right where we are today. Not where we wish we were, but where we actually are. And he doesn't ask us to do anything or, you know, acquire anything or climb anything to get to him. He just wants us to invite us to invite him to come be with us right where we are. He's gonna do all the work. He's gonna meet us. He's gonna come to us. He already has, right? Like that's the beauty of the incarnation is God with us. And that's mm-hmm. his promise. No matter what he invites us into, is I will never, ever ever, no matter what, leave you alone. And so I I love that as an invitation for the year to begin with this authentic um, confession. Lord, I want to believe you, but I'm struggling. Will you help me? Lord, I want to trust you, but I'm struggling. Will you help me? Or even, Lord, I want to want what you want. Will you help me to want whatever you want for me? And and just starting there, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are beautiful prayers. And I don't know why, but I'm getting this image of if you were to open up a notebook, on one side of the notebook on a page, you could write, this is where I am. And then on the other page, this is where I desire to be and write those things down and then invite God into that. This is where I am. This is where I want to be. Help me to know what you want to do with this, right? And yeah. sometimes I think we get so um, toppled by to-dos and responsibilities and roles and taking care of people and accomplishing things. And um, we're going from here to there. And some of us don't even know where we are. And like Bob Goff said, we don't even know what we want. I know when he challenged me, will you have to be able to tell me what you want? And I went and I wrote down on a piece of paper, what do I want? And it was a powerful moment for me, for sure. And then him and I chatted on the phone and I told him what I wanted. And I'm going for it. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Such a powerful place to begin. Where am I? And where do I want to be? Like those two questions, if we can even start there, God meets us in the place of our longing, right? Our heart is where our longing is. And, And I think there's something really powerful about learning to access our own longing and inviting God into that. So thanks for that beautiful picture. Well, I know that you and I could talk straight into the new year with all of our thoughts on dreams and intentions <laughs> and goals and just helping women do that. And I love that that's what you do with your life. And I know there's people who are going to want to connect with you. And also um, those those reflection questions you mentioned you have. So how can people do that? Great question. Um, well, my website is jilliandebritz.com. Um, I also have stuff linked on my Instagram profile. So it's at jilliandebritz is my handle. Um, 
And so, yeah, I have a seasonal um, reset guide and a reflect and connect year long kind of or year end uh, reflection guide and planner. So I'll put both of those things online too. Awesome. Jillian, I always love hanging out with you. Thank you for hanging out today. Yeah, it's such a privilege. I love it too. Friend, I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Jillian. And I hope that you feel encouraged. I think if each one of us were to open up a notebook and write down where we are and where we want to be, we would see two different pages that feel so far apart from each other in so many ways. And that can feel discouraging. We can feel stuck. We can feel frustrated or like we we almost doubt that we'll be able to move from where we are to where we want to be. But friend, my hope truly is that you would know that Jesus not only runs into our lives and collides with us in beautiful ways, but he's the one who made our lives. And he has a huge dream for your life that he wants to unfold. And I I hope and pray that you can invite him into that process and that you can begin dreaming with God for your life and that you begin this year in 2024. Sounds weird to say that you begin to see God's dream unfold in your life. I hope you keep colliding and we'll catch you next week.